You are listening to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast, dropping the mic on the top stories in sports. Now give it up for your hosts, Mike Schneid and Zach Stein. Welcome to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast. The NBA right now is a total blast. The draft is done. Zion went one. Free agency is days away, and things are about to get a little cray-cray. Mike Schneider and Zach Stein here. We're going to recap the NBA draft from last week, talk a little bit about free agency. We're going to go on the record and give our predictions for the top 20 or 20 or so that we believe are some of the top free agents. Uh, what's up, buddy? Not much. You know, it's, uh, it's the draft's done. Uh, there was a lot of draft trades for picks. I was a little disappointed because I wanted to get, like, some home run like players, some big trades to like help clear out some like cash for some of these teams. Uh, and we didn't really get any of the, the big time player trades that we've seen in the past. But uh, with free agency, there's tons of rumors going on now. And just excited for all this to begin and have this free agency picture uh, just come into color a little bit more. Well, we did have two big trades, they just weren't made during the draft. They involved the top two teams. Of course, the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis and the Grizzlies traded Mike Conley. We talked about that one last week. So trading Conley kind of freed up the spot for John Morant to go too. But why don't we just start with number one? Pelicans won the lottery. They got Zion. That was a surprise to no one, except maybe Zion, who was super emotional. That was kind of cool. But this, when you look at it, this really was a hell of a haul that they got from the Lakers for Anthony Davis. They turned the number four pick into a couple of first-rounders. They got more future first-rounders. Um, obviously, getting Zion Williamson is a win. But what do you think about the rest of their draft? I thought it was huge. So, I think trading down from four was smart to acquire some new picks. So, obviously, Zion is amazing. And then they traded – and then the Hawks traded up to get their number four pick. So, they ended up trading down. And then they ended up getting who – I think is going to be a great compliment to Zion down low and Jackson Hayes, the best center, who, who everyone just is going to be like. And it's not underwhelming by any means, but like his comp is to Tyson Chandler, which is amazing. That's going to allow Zion to really play defense a little bit more freely when you have a guy like Jackson Hayes who can protect the rim a little bit more. So Zion could maybe go take a little bit more risk and try to, you know, jam up three point stretch fours a little bit more and try to block shots like we've seen them do uh, at Duke. And then with by trading down again, they, they were able to get probably maybe the second best defender in this draft in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So just a home run thing. Obviously, they're going to be a super young team, but they have a lot of very talented players. So this is not going to be a dumpster fire of a rebuild team. They rebuild really quickly with, young talented players so now it's just how quickly can they form chemistry to start winning games consistently yeah definitely and to me they added i don't think they obviously they come over with the star power of zion williamson i'm not sure that he's or alexander walker are ever going to be all-stars but those are two guys that are good that could be really solid contributors to a playoff team and who knows they have a lot of cap space they could be a playoff team as early as next season all of a sudden so I really like what they did with their rebuild. Um, Hayes is a one-and-done from Texas. He's actually a local Cincinnati kid who tweeted something a few months ago. Someone asked him, why not UC? And he basically said they never called. So that was super exciting for me. And last week we talked about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I'm a huge fan of him, great defender, and I think he'll really develop. I think he'll be a really good bench piece for them. And you had mentioned that the Hawks moved up to number four. They were the team that comes away with DeAndre Hunter. I had Hunter ranked just above Jarrett Culver as my number four prospect behind the big three. If the Lakers had stayed at four, I would have thought they would take Hunter. I thought the Pelicans would do well to get him. I, I think the Hawks hit it out of the park with all three of their picks. Hunter is a star. Cam Reddish, I know he struggled his one year at Duke. I think he's going to be a star. And Bruno Fernando, you would know better than I do because you follow Big Ten basketball a lot closer. I think he's a good player. I th- there could be some potential there. 
the, the Hawks absolutely get an A-plus draft grade from me here. I think that they might have had the best draft overall out of everyone. Uh, what they've done now is Trey Young is so electric and obviously just such a good, true point guard in this league, but also a scoring point guard. So what's going to help him be a better scorer and a better distributor is surrounding him with shooters. So this team already went ahead, traded for Alan Crabb. They have Kevin Herter on the team. Then you draft DeAndre Hunter, who is probably the best individual defender in this draft, who's also a very good three-point shooter. Then you get Cam Reddish, who I agree with you. I think his numbers are going to look much better in the NBA than, they, than he ever looked at at Duke. And then you get a little bit of extra size with Bruno Fernando to help uh, Collins down low. There, this is going to be another young team. And people, like, were definitely going to thought that, like, the Hawks were going to be the worst team in the NBA by far last year with just the roster they did. They shocked people. They were super competitive. And now by adding these three guys, and then they just traded for Evan Turner, uh, they're, they're going to be – they're going to be a tough team to just beat on a nightly basis. I like that move. I like Evan Turner, but yeah, they're. I like. I just. I like how they flipped their assets. They had picks numbers. They had picks eight, ten, and seventeen, and I think we agreed last week that they were never going to have three rookies. They basically turned eight and seventeen into DeAndre Hunter, which is awesome, and they still left the number ten pick to get Cam Reddish, who easily could have been a top five pick. So, they really hit a home run. I think they're a really good young core. I'm curious to see what they do because they did get Evan Turner. They also traded for Alan Crabb. Those are two guys on enormous one-year contracts. So next season, in the summer of 2020, they're going to have a ton of cap space. And nobody – they're not going to have anybody really expensive on their roster, just these young – So – Year three of Trey Young, year two of some of these guys, year four of John Collins, that might be a really enticing roster to go sign some free agents next year. I'm not sure that they can make a playoff push this year. You kind of got to see what they do. But 2020, 2021, I think the Hawks are really going to make a push. Yeah, they're, gonna, they're just going to be the fun team to watch. Obviously, I think they're going to be kind of a poor man's Rockets team. They're going to shoot just as many threes as the Rockets, but then obviously they don't have that James Harden-type star on their team to obviously get them in the playoffs. But, I mean, Trey Young is, if you're able to watch him, he is just as fun as he was when he was in that absolute tear of a run when he was at Oklahoma. And that was definitely a lot of fun, that run. The other team that sort of stood out to me as a big winner was the Grizzlies. Obviously, it's easy to win when you have the number two pick. All you need to do is not screw it up. I know we both love John Morant, but they also got Brandon Clark at number 21. I thought that was a huge value pick because we were sort of debating whether, whether or not Clark belonged in the, at the end of the lottery. We couldn't make room for him. I for sure thought he would go in the top 20 at least. He slips to 21. Then the Grizzlies got a, a lottery talent at the back end of the first round. Right. I think Brandon Clark is going to be one of those guys that completely went undervalued here going to 21. He is probably, outside of like Zion with his like body and everything like that, this guy has that NBA body coming into that league now. Like, there, he is so athletic. He's just so like sound skillfully just off the dribble mid-range game defensively there's just so much to his game that can bring it so it's like and obviously you know he's he's coming from Gonzaga so he's already extremely well coached knows how to win a lot of games like this is going to be a guy of great talent and just I can just can't wait for like pick and rolls with him and John Morant I think they're going to be really special together yeah they're definitely another team they're a ways away, but at least now the Grizzlies, they have an identity. They have some hope in the future. And, yeah, I think they really – they have an A, in, in my yeah. opinion. I know we're – so there's still a bunch of teams that I want to touch on that I think did well, but I think we're in agreement. To me, everybody won their draft. I think everyone hit it. 
except for one team. Do you want to talk about that? The Suns. And it's really funny. (laughs) I've never, I, the Suns confuse me (laughs) the most. So the Suns and the, and then we'll jump on the Celtics later, I'm sure. But the Suns and the Celtics had two of the most confusing drafts I've ever seen in my entire life. But the Suns, they drafted two players I actually loved in this draft. But one of them, who I thought was going to sneak into the first round at like between 26 and 30, ended up going 11. And must watch is Kobe White being interviewed as Cam Johnson got interviewed. And Kobe White was like beyond shocked. Like, he was, was like, great. laughing at, like, the Suns being like, are you kidding me? And, like, <laughs> Cam Johnson is older than – I think Kevin Johnson's older than Devin Booker, right? Did I see that right? Yeah. Yes. Like – It's only it, 23. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's great. I love when, like, senior players and older players get drafted this high. Like, that shows, you know, a lot of growth. And Cam Johnson was amazing. I mean, we talked a lot – or I talked a lot about North Carolina this past year. I loved – their team and I loved Cam Johnson. They could have traded back again, acquired more picks, and gotten A on this draft if they, or I think they even could have done a B plus if they took Ty Jerome at eleven. Everyone knew they needed a point <laughs> guard, and and then take uh, Cam Johnson later. It, it really makes no sense to me. <laughs> Nothing that they did make sense actually. So what they did with Cam Johnson to me is comparable to what the Giants did with Daniel Jones during the NFL draft, where everyone's ripping on Daniel Jones, but maybe he's not that bad. And maybe it was a good pick. It was just the wrong spot. It was just the wrong value. The Suns went 19-63 and 63 last year. They haven't made the playoffs in, I think, a decade. They haven't had a point guard since Steve Nash, but they legitimately have not had a point guard for two years since trading Eric Bledsoe. I'm not saying they should have committed to a point guard, but there was better value than Cam Johnson at 11, or they should have stayed at six. I think the trade that they made was terrible. They basically swapped. They basically traded Jared Culver, who ended up going six, for Dario Saric, who is an okay player. I don't think Saric is anything special. And they got Cam Johnson. They, they walked away with the 24th pick because they got Ty Jerome from the Sixers. They could have probably gotten Cam Johnson at 24, or they could have made a trade in the middle of the teens. I just – if Cam Johnson's a good player, and I think he's going to be a really good scorer in the NBA. Forget the age. I, I think it's fine. He'll be a good bench player for them. The problem is, is that can't be the face of your draft. They just have too many other needs, and they've just been too bad for too long to walk away here with just Cam Johnson. Especially when, if they stay at six, it's a home run pick to pick Kobe White there. Or Jared Culver, which is great, yeah. <laughs> And then you trade in, you get Cam Johnson. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about, oh, my God, look at the Suns getting A+. They hit a home run. I mean, yeah, they passed on the point guard, and they passed on a guy who I thought might have been the fourth or fifth best player. They also – I'm a huge fan of T.J. Warren. They traded him for nothing. Absolutely nothing. I know, and I know that that's a salary cap dump, but when was the last time they signed a free agent? Right. So – what are they building up cap space for? I don't, D'Angelo Russell's not going there. So I don't know what they're saving up cap space for. Just, this is why they're 1963. This is why they haven't been in the playoffs in a yeah. decade. Bad teams. Stay bad, bad teams do stay bad. So you said the Celtics had a weird draft. I don't, I don't know. I was intrigued by what it, they did, but why was it so weird it, to you? It's weird because it could end up being the best draft. It, they could end up having the best draft. Uh, this year, by far, they they take Romeo Langford uh, in the lottery, which is fine. A lot of people expected Romeo Langford to drop in the twenties. I personally had the actually Celtics taking him at like twenty twenty one, whatever they were picking at, and um, so I thought the the team it matched where he should have gone. But obviously, you know, there's tons of you know uh, stories about him being injured, and he didn't work out for any teams. So, and he's, he's banking on saying, hey, I hurt my hand when I was in college. It affected my shooting. It affected a little bit of my explosiveness and finishing, even though that was like his strong suit in college. Uh, I'm going to be ready to go. I'm healthy. I'm going to be able to shoot better. Uh, I'm going to be more consistent. And so, basically, heading into this draft, they got, just out of the Knicks, you know, got a home run with R.J. Barrett. He was the number one player 
coming into college basketball, no-brainer at three. Romeo Langford was, by an all means, projected to go four or five overall, and then they get him at 13. And then you get a guy who I thought was going in the first round as well, Grant Williams, but he's kind of an undersized four, and even maybe like an undersized three, because he doesn't really sh- shoot outside of the paint. But he's got an insane motor, and he's, he really, he's like maybe Jared Sullinger, essentially, is, is what I like to think of him. Then, I like that. And comment. then uh, I had Carson Edwards going in the first round. And obviously, we know what Carson Edwards can do. It's score a ton. So I think Carson Edwards is probably going to be going into year one. Carson Edwards is probably their most impactful player out of this draft. And then, who else did they get? And they got Tremont, and then Tremont Waters, Waters. point guard from LSU. So another big name from yeah. a big time school. So it's interesting because they they basically got Tremont Waters, who was a very good point guard at LSU. They got Carson Edwards, who's a great two. They got Langford, who could be the two or the three, and then Grant Williams. So now the thing is, obviously Kyrie's gone, and obviously we're going to jump into free agency in a little bit here. But now it's like. All right, and obviously Rogier wants out. I think the Celtics are going to make him a pretty lucrative offer because I don't think the Celtics are going to get D'Angelo Russell, and they're going to need a point guard. So I imagine Rogier is going to come back because they're going to slightly overpay him a little bit. But this is going to be a different looking Celtics team, obviously, than the past couple of years with Kyrie. I think we can agree. Danny Ainge was at the Tennessee Purdue Sweet Sixteen game, right? Right. I mean, that's, what, that's where these picks came from. I actually just pulled up the box score. Carson Edwards scored 29 and led all scores, and Grant Williams had 21 and seven rebounds. So all these guys actually, except for Romeo Langford, made the elite or made the Sweet 16. It's, it's just funny to me that they took all big-name players from big-time colleges. I'm intrigued by their draft. I do think the Langford thing was a bit of a reach. I love the Williams and Edwards picks, and – We'll see, how, we'll see how their roster really shapes out because free agency is going to say a lot about the Celtics and their future. What did you think about the Cavs? They had three first-round picks. I love Kevin Porter. I, we talked about him last week. I thought he was a lottery talent. They got him at 30, which I think is an absolute steal. And I'm a huge fan of Dylan Windler from Belmont. The guy can shoot. They got Darius Garland at five. What do you think about their three? I, I think they hit a home Garland? run. Uh, it, it was interesting. I would have personally thought that, you know, they obviously have uh, Colin Sexton. So, obviously, the Cavs already come out and said, we plan on playing Garland and Sexton together. Well, that's going to be a very undersized backcourt if they start together. Uh, so, I'm curious to see how they're going to play. I mean, I was high on Darius Godwin coming into college. He, in the, the very few amount of games he played at Vanderbilt, he absolutely scored at will. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be a great scoring guy. Windler can shoot the ball like crazy. Uh, and then who was the other guy? Porter. Porter. And you and me, we both had Porter going in the lottery. We were both very high on Porter, and they get him at 30, and this guy can score. So – you know, for a team that's sort of in a rebuild as well with young players, get people who can score the ball, and they just draft the three guys who can put up points and put up points pretty easily. I'm a little bit torn because really all I know about – I never watched Darius Garland play in any of his five games at Vanderbilt. So all I know about Darius Garland is what I've been told, what I've read, and what I've seen on YouTube. So – I don't know exactly what to make of it. It sounds like they fell in love with his shooting in a workout, and we'll see. I, I think it's definitely a very high potential pick, but if this pick misses and if the Sexton going backcourt fails, it really is going to set the, the Cavs' rebuild back a little bit. The Wizards took Rui Hachimura at nine. A lot of people are down on this pick. I like it. I don't hate it. I like Rui, and I think the Wizards just need an injection of youth and talent on that team. I really like Rui. It's going to go the same thing I said about Brandon Clark. This guy has an NBA body coming in, comes from Gonzaga, Super Bowl coach. And the thing is, with right now with the Wizards, obviously they're in a weird state right now. They don't have a GM. But, and then there's, 
there's all these talks where they said they never interviewed Rui, they never worked out Rui, and I just take Rui. That's very weird. <laughs> That's a very Wizards thing to do, and then a very team like thing to do when you don't have a GM. Let's just take a name that we like. We haven't talked to the kid at all. We have no idea how he's going to work, but uh, he's a very solid player. He can do a lot of things right. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I'm just sort of makes sense for the Wizards. Hopefully he turns into a nice player. Well, you're right. It makes sense for the Wizards in terms of it doesn't make sense that they took a guy that they didn't work out or talk to. Uh, it's still really weird that they did this draft without a GM. Another pick that really just landed for me was Nasir Little to the Blazers. And as the draft started to wind down in the first round, and as I was watching Little fall, I just I identified the Blazers at around 1920. I identified the Blazers as that team. If he could just fall a few more spots, I think he would be a great fit there. The Blazers are way over the cap. They have a ton of guys that play the 3-4, and I think a lot of those contracts start to expire. Mo Harkless, they traded Turner today. Afaruk and Minu, this could be a guy who's a big-time player in the future for them. Right. This, this could end up going down as the steal of the first round. Uh, Nasir Little it was one of the another top recruit uh, going into college. And it's very weird because North Carolina is not known for being a one-and-done school. And Nasir Little doesn't really fit that recruiting-like schedule for the most part of, of Roy Williams. And I think it showed because Roy Williams didn't really know how to utilize Nasir Little. This guy is a freak athlete, and obviously they had Luke May, who basically clogged up the paint. Then you had Cam Johnson and Kobe White really running the show. So Nazir Little was sort of this athletic lost man out on this team. So I think this is going to be a guy, just kind of like Cam Reddish, who didn't look like he put up great numbers in college, but is going to come into the NBA and make an impact, and make an impact very, very quickly. He's got an insane motor, super athletic, like I mentioned. And I think this was a great fit. I was yelling at, like, the Spurs passed up on him. I thought he would have been great for them. Uh, when the Celtics took Grant Williams, I think Nazir Little is a much better player than Grant Williams is right now. And so I thought that would have made sense. Uh, and then, so the Trailblazers hitting a home run here. Absolutely. And looking back, there's one other team that I question. I don't I don't want to call them a loser yet. The Suns are the only loser in this draft to me. The Thunder taking the guy Darius Baisley was a bizarre pick because they're another team that's very cap-strapped right now. They do not have cash to sign free agents. So I thought they would use the draft, and there was a lot of good players in that spot. I thought they would use the draft as a medium to add a solid bench player. I don't see Baisley being a contributor in the near future. Right, and I agree with that. Like, where – like sort of what the Pacers, the Pacers went and got TJ Warren. Why didn't the Thunder try to get someone like that for this pick? Like, it really makes no sense. Like there's basically, I, I don't know anything about this guy, to be honest. So, uh, I know he's from Cincinnati yeah. uh, and that's <laughs> just weird. I, I thought there were better players available here. I thought maybe just trade the pick, maybe get additional picks in the future. Uh, but like, this just, yeah, the Jazz just – I mean, the Thunder just not make any sense here for me. No, and then one – there's one pick that really stood out. I mentioned this guy last week, Matt, Madison Tyball. The Celtics drafted him, and I got really scared because I, I think he's going to be a really good player. They traded him to the Sixers. I thought it was a weird move to trade him to a division rival, but we have to see how things pan out with the Sixers and free agents. I think Tyball is going to get some – immediate playing time and can be a legitimate factor for the Sixers next season. Yeah. I mean, this is a, another really good defender, but it's kind of funny. They, the <laughs> last time the Celtics and the Sixers exchanged, you know, some first round picks, uh, it didn't turn out too great for the 76ers to say the least. <laughs> and this guy can't shoot and it's going to be interesting, but he can, but this guy can really defend. And I, that's valuable in the NBA and that's valuable to a team like the, the 76ers who's actually, they're, who's a pretty 
fundamentally sound defensive team. When you have Ben Simmons, I think Jimmy Butler comes back. Joel Embiid's there. Then you're adding Tybalt. Like, this is going to end up being a really, really good defensive team. Definitely. Is there any, there's one more guy for me, but is there anybody else that stood out uh, to you? Let's see. Any big time winners, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, living in Chicago, uh, I think the the Bulls hit a home run with Kobe White dropping to seven. It could have been, you know, the the Bulls could have really screwed this pick up easily. Easily, and then I actually really like their second round pick in in uh, Daniel Gafford. So I thought the Bulls did uh, had a really nice draft, and they're starting to put a respectable roster on the court now. So. For me, I'm definitely going to be looking to go to a couple bowl games this year. I agree. Gafford actually compared himself to Bobby Portis, another former bowl from Arkansas. So I thought that was an interesting comparison. If this guy is half as good as Portis, then the Bulls really hit a home run in this draft. The bowl bowl story was fascinating for me to follow all night. He's a guy who he didn't have a ton of experience in college because of injuries. He fell all the way to 44, and the Nuggets made a trade to get him. Nuggets are going to enter next season with Michael Porter and Bull Bull on their roster. Yeah, obviously, I'm really super excited to see Michael Porter because this is someone who we really didn't get to see at all in college. And he was touted as just one of the next big guys to come into the league. Uh, same with Bull Bull, like just obviously, you know, freak athletic ability. But I'm just super confused. And I guess his expressions can back up with the NBA feels on why he dropped obviously with the injuries, but then like, he just doesn't care. Like he should have made a statement like right when he went 44, when they interviewed him. And I know it's probably not his personality, but they should have, he should basically just said, y'all made a mistake letting me fall this far. Like I'm going to, but he has an opportunity now to play with the chip on his shoulder and, and contribute for a Denver team. That's really good. Yeah, I hope he does get to contribute because he's definitely a really talented player. I kind of wanted the Knicks to trade back into the end of the first or early second to get him. But the Knicks also hit a home run simply by not screwing up for the first time ever. The Knicks didn't screw up. It was so exciting. It was so calming to actually hear cheers for a Knicks draft pick, for a New York draft pick. It might have been the first... I think R.J. Barrett was the first New York draft pick ever to get cheered at the draft. It was, it was cool to see. It, it's an easy pick. There was no way that they could screw it up despite the rumors of workouts with the point guards last week. Barrett was one of the best players coming into the draft. He was the number one player in high school. And he very clearly wanted to be a Nick. He was crying. He was super passionate in all of his interviews after the fact. And he even publicly said that week he wanted to be a Nick. So... I'm glad he got to achieve his goal. I'm really excited to see what he can do. It'll be a fun, for the first time in a long time, the Knicks are going to have a fun young team and finally have somebody to build around in R.J. Barrett. So I'm excited to have kind of, a, hopefully, to have a franchise player in New I York. even like the second-round pick you guys did with uh, Ignis Brodzikas uh, out of Michigan. Uh, the guy is just, the guy can play hard, and I think he's going to be a nice compliment. But I'm going on record now. I think R.J. Barrett's going to win Rookie of the Year next year. See, I think he's going to, too, not because of my bias, but because he's going to be the obvious number one option on probably a bad team. Zion Williamson is going to be unbelievable. But there's a lot of of good players on that team still. And it's not going to be his team. He's such a good, humble kid. He's going to come in there for day one. Drew Holiday, what do I do, man? Drew Holiday, Brandon here? Ingram's a little bit of a selfish player. Brandon Ingram's going to be averaging 20 points a game on that team. Drew Holiday's going to be averaging 20 points a game. You got Lonzo going to be averaging like 15 points a game. I mean, definitely Zion. I definitely see Zion averaging like 15 and 7 in there. But then you've got Jackson Hayes who's going to take away a lot of rebounds. Uh, this, I mean, this is just a team that's – and it's lucky. Like Zion is going to a number one team, and I think this team's going to – win a lot of games this year, like or more than you would expect for a team with the, the first pick. And but it's just they're not gonna need to rely on Zion. Like the Knicks are gonna need to rely on RJ Barrett to carry the load. Right. It's a well balanced team and I think he'll defer to Drew Holiday who is gonna step up as an all star and be the leader of that team. Whereas RJ Barrett might be the leader on day one. He's by far the best player on the Knicks. 
And I'm actually not as excited about the second round pick. Uh, I know he's a good player, Brzezikas, but I was really excited when I saw that the Knicks were getting Kyle Guy. That is true. I love the way that he plays. And then I was so deflating to see that they actually drafted him and then traded him. I do like the pick, though. I am excited. Knicks haven't had a good second. Other than Mitchell Robinson, Knicks haven't had a good second-round pick in 50 years. So we'll see. But the draft is over. And now we're on to the next big thing, free agency. And it's going to be wild. So we have a list of about 20 different players, where we think they're going to go. Let's just touch on all of them. And, yeah, let's just run through it. Let's start with the best one who, of course, isn't even going to play next season, Kevin Durant. Last week you suggested that he would opt in. I have been saying for five months that he's going to be a Nick. Um, where did you see Kevin Durant playing? Well, signing with. Is oh, so now I am going to go away now with the, the opt-in. I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, it's just the rumors continue to build. Him and Kyrie have been meeting up. Uh, it, I'm betting on that duo of Katie and Kyrie. They're going to be on the Nets next year. So explain something to me. Because it's hard for me to wrap my head around, and I'm also very, very close to the situation. What makes, like, why the Nets? If you're going to go to New York, why wouldn't you go to New York's flagship team? I, this, I don't know. I, I really <laughs> don't understand it, especially you've got this awesome point guard that just drafted there, like R.J. Barrett. It's a really good team, and R.J. Barrett and Kyrie could be a really great backcourt. And then Durant's there. Like, it's just... I, I just don't know if it's management, ownership, what's going on in New York the, with the Knicks that, that are scaring this duo away. Uh, and I don't understand. I mean, the Nets were a really fun story last year with D'Angelo Russell. Um, I, but if you take D'Angelo Russell away from that team, that, that roster, I don't know. It's, it's not sexy. It's not like just an exciting for a duo to go to and maybe that's just what they want it to do is just sort of go to Brooklyn but be out of the spotlight as well although if they go to Brooklyn the spotlight's going to be huge I I I really don't get it like I if I personally was in the NBA like I would want to go play in Madison Square Garden that's I just think that's really cool I would have that same reaction that rj barrett's been having this week since the draft like i'd be super excited to go there so i don't know understand why these stars are staying away from the knicks (laughs) i wish you gave me a better answer i just i don't know i'm so i'm gonna stick with my durant to the next prediction i think if durant leaves the warriors i think he's gonna go to the knicks i think the smoke has been i think there's been too much smoke for too long his agent has ties to new york city and to the knicks I think that's where he wants to be. I do. I'm sticking with the Kyrie to the net stuff. I, it, it's the, it's too loud. There's too much noise about it, but it's just, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's why I'm kind of speechless. Now the Durant thing makes no sense at all, but the Kyrie thing, the reason why the nets are more attractive than the Knicks, the reason why the nets are attractive in general is because of D'Angelo Russell, because of the chemistry and the culture that they built there. But you take Russell away, I mean, you're stripping away all the good stuff that they had. You're stripping away the leadership, the culture, and the chemistry. So I don't, I don't get it, but I'm going to stick with Durant to the Knicks and Kyrie to the Nets. So the next guy we have on our list is Jimmy Butler. Where do you have him? I think he's going to stay put in Philly. I think he's got a good thing going there. Um, I think this team just needs another year under their belt. They, they needed to build that chemistry. Now that they've done that, they've gotten you know some playoff experience together, I think this is a team that's going to be ready to compete for a championship now that the, the NBA is going to be so wide open now that the Warriors dynasty, we're, we're definitely both predicting. And obviously, just even just next year alone with Clay Thompson and Durant being out. So obviously, yes, the Warriors dynasty is over. Uh, so now it's anyone's game to complain. So I think he's got a good thing in Philly. I think Philly's going to be very, very good in year two in this process. I have the Nets. I, 
there's a lot of talk a year ago about Kyrie and Butler wanting to play together. And it didn't really go anywhere because Butler was trying to force his way out of Minnesota. Boston wasn't going to trade for him. Now that they're both free, and now that the Nets have the cap space to get both, because I don't see Durant going to the Nets, I see Jimmy Butler going with Kyrie Irving, which would make a little bit more sense, at least, for Kyrie going there. If Kyrie goes alone, I still don't think it makes sense. But, hey, if you're going to add one locker room cancer, you might as well add two. Right. And so, we, so at least we're <laughs> both in agreement that if the Nets, the Nets are going to make a big splash this offseason. I, I think the Nets are going to make a really big splash. And the Philly thing is fascinating to me. Obviously, they can offer Butler the max. I just I don't know what Butler wants. Did Butler butt heads with Embiid and Simmons? He's a, he is a nutcase. If he is such good friends with Kyrie, and if Kyrie can't lure Durant to the Nets, then maybe he can convince Butler. And that's the other, the other one thing that I want to go back with Durant and Kyrie. There's all this talk that, oh, they have talked in the last couple of weeks. They have talked about playing together, but they're having some differences that Kyrie wants to go to the Nets and Durant wants to go to the Knicks. Wouldn't the best player in the league win that conversation? Like, why is this a thing? Why, why would Durant go where Kyrie tells him to go? Why wouldn't Kyrie just go where Durant Because I don't think him? Durant has that alpha male personality. This guy clearly has self-esteem issues. I mean, he goes on Twitter, Instagram all the time to make these secondhand remarks and just to kind of protect himself. So clearly, I, obviously, he's sure of himself on the court. He's unsure of himself off the court when he's not playing. So, and I think that's why he was so comfortable going to the Warriors. And even though he was the best player on that Warriors team, but it's like there was just no pressure because there was Steph and Clay there and Draymond. So I think he is just not that alpha male. And then it's just, and so he's going to be able to do what Kyrie wants him to do. But self-esteem issues. Supposedly Kyrie Irving called a Boston radio show last week and pretended to be somebody else defending Kyrie Irving. I don't know if you saw that. I heard about it, and that's strange too. But Kyrie Irving. I listened to the audio a hundred times. It is eerie. It, it is bizarre. But Kyrie Irving is also an all-time weird guy. Which is why nothing that he does, which is why I'm not even surprised that he's going to go to the Nets. Nothing he does surprises me. And nothing that the next guy on the list would do would surprise me, Kawhi Leonard. But I think we're both in agreement. We both talked about it last week, so I don't think we need to spend too much time. But Kawhi's staying in Toronto, right? I agree. I think he's going to restructure the deal. He'll re-sign. Uh, I think it's going to be a two-year deal with uh, with. Uh, player option in year two um, and just a no-brainer to just at least stay and try to defend the, the championship one more year. Yeah, I suggested last night that it would be a, a three-year deal with the option after year two, but Mark Stein said it, I think, because in Mark Stein, um, and you're saying, and I mean, the one plus one deal, I think, makes the most sense. He signs for one year and he can opt in or opt out in 2020 but i definitely think he stays i think he stays because he because of that load management he knows he's comfortable with that medical staff and he knows that he can trust and he's an instant legend in in that (laughs) whole country not alone just toronto and it's just be a a fun year one more year with them now the pressure's off they've won and just try to go see if they could win back to back and really just get a statue for two years. <laughs> oh, he would, he would get, I think he's going to get a statue for one year, two years, forget it. They might build him two <laughs> statues, but another guy who, who may get a statue when it's all said and done and who also needs to trust the medical staff right now, Clay Thompson. I think we're both in agreement here as well, right? Uh, I think he's going to stay with the Warriors. I thought if he was healthy, I really, I wanted the Lakers to go all in and get him because he would have been the perfect compliment to the LeBron Anthony Davis off, uh, offense. But now it's just, we both think Durant's gone. Uh, this is a no brainer for the Warriors to at least lock him up with an ACL tear. At least there's way better uh, results that lead to, you know, this guy's going to come back healthy. He's a shooter first anyways. So, but obviously a great defender. It's a no brainer. He's going to stay uh, with the Warriors. 
And then Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba Walker, I think he's going to stay with the Hornets. And I, I think that's uh, real boring. And I think it's – I <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad for the NBA because obviously it's it's great for stars to stay put. But it's bad for it's bad for NBA fans just because this Hornets team is going nowhere. Kemba is such an elite talent that no one really gets to see. Uh, and I think it's a shame. I think it's bad for the NBA. <laughs> Free Kemba. Get Kemba out of Charlotte. And the problem with the Hornets, I actually wrote an article on MikeDropSports.com uh, today about kind of recapping the 2016, that crazy free agency frenzy where everybody had max cap space to spend. And that summer is the reason why the Hornets can't surround Kemba with more talent because they had to sign Marvin Williams for $18 million a year and they had to give Nick Batum something like $24 million. So Kemba Walker's stuck in Charlotte, unfortunately. For some reason, this guy is loyal and... I guess that's where he wants to spend the prime of his career. Good for him for being loyal about it. Yep. So Tobias Harris. Harris is an interesting guy. The Sixers traded a lot more, in my opinion, for him than they did for Butler. So I have Butler leaving Philly, but Philly traded Landry Shamit and some other young prospects with Tobias Harris. Does he stay or does he go? I think he stays. I think the um, this is the two guys that – Philly's going to spend money on. They're going to keep Jimmy Butler. They're going to keep Tobias. Uh, and I think they're going to really roll with the Ben Simmons, Tobias, Butler, uh, and B team. The, obviously, there were flashes of greatness when this team did play together. Um, and now, you know, they'll build that chemistry. And, and again, I think this is going to be a various, very dangerous team. Obviously, you know, with in our just scenarios, obviously Kawhi stays in Toronto. So Toronto's going to be top dog for me in the East. I think Philly's going to move ahead of the Bucks and be that, that second-best team right now. So you have them running it back. I don't think they're going to run it back. I think both of these guys are going to leave. I actually have Tobias Harris going to the Mavs on a max deal. Dallas has had money for years to spend, and they, for some reason, haven't been able to convince anybody to take it. I think a nucleus of <clears throat> Luka Doncic, who was just named Rookie of the Year, Kristaps Porzingis and Tobias Harris is an outstanding team in the future in the West. Yeah, I, I definitely think the, the Mavs are going to make a splash. I personally have them signing uh, another big free agent. I have them uh, going after Al Horford, actually. What, what is going on with Al Horford? So he opted out, and to me it was just kind of ho-hum. I was like, all right, that makes sense. He's going to opt out. He's going to take a little bit less. He'll sign a three- or four-year deal with the Celtics, and he'll finish his career there. Done. He's, it sounds like he's gone. It, something happened there, and he's not going to come back to Boston. Very weird situation. And, I, and obviously, Boston, I think, is more stressed out about losing Horford than they are Kyrie. I think the, oh, Celtics, the Celtics were like, okay, go away, Kyrie. We, can, we just drafted a lot of good young potential at the guard position. Uh, but – Al Horford is such a good veteran presence, does so much greatness offensively and defensively. Uh, this is a huge, going to be a huge loss for the Celtics. And the only reason why I have the Mavs here is because Al Horford is just such a unique player. Uh, obviously, you have him going somewhere else to the Mavs because you have the Mavs taking Tobias Harris. I just didn't know where else to put Al Horford, and I thought he would just be a really fun mix with this team. I have a good spot for Al Horford, but one more thought on the Celtics. Last week I said that I thought they were the number one team in the East entering free agency and entering the draft, even without Kyrie Irving, because of Al Horford's leadership and his presence there and because of some of those young kids. Now, I still think they could be a top four team if Hayward is healthy and with their young core, but I agree. That's a crushing blow to lose Al Horford. They can replace Kyrie Irving. They can't replace Al Horford. So the team that I think signs Al Horford is the team that has a ton of cap space and loses out on their real number one option. When Kawhi Leonard snubs the Clippers, I think Al Horford slides in there and takes their max deal. Clippers made the playoffs without really having any all-stars, any stars. And Al Horford, to me, is just such the perfect veteran leader, for a young, blossoming team, I can see him going there and kind of elevating them in the West a little bit. Okay, so that's interesting. I, I think our thought process 
is along the the same line here. I'll touch base on what I think the Clippers are going to do in a little bit when we get to this guy. But uh, for me, uh, I I'm going to go on record. I do like both the Lakers and the Clippers. This is I've never hid this fact in my entire life. I've grown up going to. But luckily, I was fortunate enough when my dad's company had season tickets to the Lakers and the Clippers uh, when I was growing up. Obviously, the Lakers were in much heavier demand back in those days. So I would go to, you know, uh, spoiled little me, probably go to two Laker games a month. I would get <laughs> to go to one Lakers uh, playoff game per series uh, when I was there. But then with the Clippers, sort of no one wanted them. And this is back in the day when they had – uh, Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson, Lamar Odom, Elton Brand, Corey Maggette. That was a really, really fun team to be like a 10-year-old kid in L.A., like 11-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid in L.A. with this team. So it's like – and I went to probably three, four games a month that uh, just – it was basically like my own personal season tickets. So I like the Clippers. I always have – I would love them to get to Horford. It was basically the end of that rant. I love those old. I had a Quentin Richardson jersey. I was one. I'm doing the, the, the antenna one, I, thing right now. <laughs> I love Q and I love Darius Miles. I damn that team brings back memories. So there's one more guy that's kind of in that more of an upper echelon of free agency. Angel Russell. So you have Durant and Kyrie to the Nets. I have Kyrie and Butler. So obviously. We don't think D'Angelo Russell comes back to the Nets. Where do you see him going? So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. A lot of people are just like logic, logically thinking, and I can see where they think this. They're going to be like, oh, we're losing uh, Kyrie. Let's go sign D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell might actually be an upgrade because of what we've seen him do with the Nets. But like we've touched, I thought the Orf- losing Horford was more important to them. So I think they're going to address – free agency a little bit different. So I actually think now, because obviously I'm predicting the KD Kyrie to the Nets. So, and I know that if Knicks fans sort of want to move the cap to the following year, if they miss out, I think they can still sign a great player and then save cap for next year to build around them. I think D'Angelo Russell would be a really fun fit to play alongside RJ Barrett. So I'm going off that path. I'm saying D'Lo is going to sign with the Knicks. You know, I don't hate that as a Knicks fan, obviously. I love Russell. I think he's an outstanding player. I would love to see him next to Barrett and playing in the Garden. I don't think that's the Knicks' plan, but if the Knicks want to deviate from the plan, I would be more than happy to take Angelo Russell. I really, really struggle with where he's going. The two teams that made the most sense before the draft were the Jazz and the Pacers, and the Jazz added Mike Connolly in a blockbuster, and the Pacers added T.J. Warren, which kind of took away their ability to yeah, sign a Yeah, they probably can't afford them, player. right? So they can sign like a, like a Ricky Rubio or a Derek Rose type of point guard, but I don't think they can afford Russell. Otherwise, that would be my easy pick. So I'm kind of going off the grid a little bit because I think D'Angelo Russell would be a great fit with the 76ers, and they can afford him if Butler and Harris both leave, which I'm projecting. I think Russell is that three-point shooting point guard. Simmons is the playmaking point guard. I think they would both gel really nicely in Philly, and Russell would be a nice compliment after they lose Butler and Harris. That'd be interesting. I'd root for that to happen. I think that'd be a fun duo to, to watch. But, yeah, <laughs> it, I, I obviously I had trouble because, obviously, I, don't, I didn't really see anyone talk about D'Angelo Russell to the Knicks. So, I'm really just – I'm going bold there as well with that. Yeah, it's a – He's really a wild card because, I mean, he was an all-star last year, and the Nets are kicking him to the curb. I, there's a lot of teams that can afford him. We'll, I mean, the, what about the Lakers? The Lakers have So, and, and apparently, and this is newish today, is that he's open to playing with them. Uh, I'm interested, and uh, depending on where we go next, I have a different plan that I want the Lakers to pursue. So let's, let's, go, to the, let's go to the Lakers plan. So we've kind of – flushed out all of the sort of upper echelon tier one, tier two free agents. So you don't think the Lakers are going to have a big three next year, obviously. You don't think they're going to spend all their cap space on one guy. I think they're going to spend it around. I think they need to get two to three guys. And I'm going to go a little off the board here because I think this could be really fun. And I think they can make it work with the amount of money. And it's going to make sense. So I'm going to start off with, 
obviously the position it needs. So they need shooters. So obviously we, we both come to the conclusion that the Philly is willing to spend money. I think I've, I've said they're keeping Tobias and Jimmy Butler. So obviously that leaves no room to, to keep J.J. Redick. I think J.J. Redick, uh, one of the best shooters the NBA has ever seen, uh, perfect fit in this offense. So you could probably get him on a, a similar deal to kind of what Philly did. Maybe one year, $20 million deal or something like that. Get him there. I like Bogdanovich there. So I think maybe get Bogdanovich on a two- to three-year deal. And then what I love this because they played together and they've got chemistry. I think the Lakers are in play for DeMarcus Cousins. I thought that ended poorly, though, with Davis and Cousins. I thought they didn't like each other at the end. I have no idea. I'm just like, why not? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, yeah, that's – I know you mentioned this last week. I like that strategy the best. I just – I don't see them being players for Kawhi. I don't see him wanting to play second fiddle to, to the clutch boys. And I have a hard time seeing a lot of these free agents going there knowing that at the first sign of trouble – LeBron and Davis have the ability to get them thrown off the team, basically. Right? They did with all the kids. So the big guy that I have going to the Lakers is Danny Green. I'm not sure who else. I think they I agree with the strategy though that they spread the money around and they'll sign a bunch of shooters. But Danny Green is the guy that I have going there as the big shooter. Interesting. I have Danny Green going to the Warriors, uh, just because Steph's gonna need a little bit of help this year, obviously with uh, Clay Thompson being out. Obviously, they drafted Jordan Poole to help shooting. I think the the Warriors are going right. to make a uh, play as him. Baby, he's basically baby Clay Thompson. Not as good of a shooter. Uh, pretty good defensively though, so can sort of step in and play that Clay Thompson role a little bit. It's funny that you called Danny Green a baby Clay Thompson because the guy drafted one. Clay Thompson was the 11th pick in the draft. The guy drafted 10 that year. Actually, signed a summer league deal with the Warriors today, Jim or Fredette. And he's always been known as baby. He's been known as baby or whatever guy that can shoot threes from anywhere on the court. Yeah. And I, and obviously <laughs> the Warriors are going to need bodies. So I hope Jim or Fredette stays around because just with their style of play, like I love watching Jimmer. I've always loved watching Jimmer. Obviously he hasn't had the, the greatest success yet, but maybe just finding that right fit. And, and that we've sort of seen with, you know, different players around the league. Once they get that right fit, they can really blossom. And hopefully maybe Jimmer finds that with the Warriors in the summer. I hope so. I love Jimmer time. And so you mentioned the two shooters that you think go to the Lakers. I think Reddick stays with the Sixers after the other two guys leave to have the money to pay him a big contract. And I think his familiarity with Brett Brown now with that system, he's the perfect fit there. I'm not sure that anybody's going to pay him more than Philly. And this is going to hurt you since you have Bogdan Bojanovic to the Lakers. I think he goes to the Pelicans. They have, they were able to free up some cap space by moving Solomon Hill in one of their draft day trades. He's the perfect complement to a team that sort of lacks shooters right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, you know, I was just going off of team needs. Uh, I, I really have no idea what the Lakers are going to do. I'd be sh- I don't want to say I'd be shocked if they land a guy like Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker. Do I want them to get one of those guys? Probably, yeah, obviously. Um, but they need shooters, so I just figured let's go after a couple of the guys. Maybe Bogdanovich, Danny Green could go interchangeable, in my opinion. So that kind of makes sense. So there's two guys that we agree on, and then I want to hear more about this, the Celtics plan that you have. Ricky Rubio, we sort of touched on it. Instead of Pacers, you like that move? I I personally don't. I I <laughs> really uh, the two point guards who I thought made the most sense for the Pacers were Mike Conley and D'Angelo Russell. Well, Mike Conley got traded the Jazz, and then the Pacers did a really good move by getting TJ One. I thought that was a great move, but that took them out of D'Angelo Russell range, and so they need a point guard. And Oladipo is going to be out until probably January. Uh, it just, I don't know, Ricky Rubio, I mean, he can control the ball, but there's just, I just don't know. Like, Ricky Rubio just isn't sexy for, and it's hard to get, and it's hard for the Pacers to get sexy. 
But the, I thought the Pacers had a real chance to get sexy with D'Angelo Russell or Conley. And I just think Ricky Rubio is just such a meh, uh, you know, solution for that team. I agree, but like you said, it's, he's not sexy, but the Pacers are hardly ever a sexy team. So in that regard, he sort of fits the culture and what they're trying to do. I think he's a weird fit there. I said it before, I thought Russell was the golden um, pick for the Pacers. I think by process of elimination, it really comes down to Rubio and Derek Rose. I think the Pacers are going to go with the healthier, more reliable Ricky Rubio, though. And then the other guy that I think we agree on, Chris Middleton staying with the Bucks, right? Right. Uh, the Bucks. I think the biggest priority for the Bucks is to keep that core intact. So I think you got to keep Brook Lopez. You got to keep Chris Middleton. I think they got to find a way to trade Bledsoe personally and upgrade at the, the point guard position a little bit because they need a little bit more shooting on that team. And just Bledsoe is kind of dreadful from three. And I don't think he makes the best decisions all the time. Uh, but then it's just, you know, I, it's funny because Giannis obviously won MVP and it's ridiculous to almost say this, but they're just going to be relying on Giannis to, to keep developing and obviously just keep getting better because obviously he's such a great player, but there were times where just obviously when they were playing Toronto, he wasn't the best player on the court. And if the Bucks want to win a championship with this team, Giannis has to be the best player on the court night in, night out. And he just isn't quite there yet on a nightly basis, but I'd say, but he's still young and I think he's going to get there. So it's just, it's all about keeping these good players intact with him. No, that's fair. And I think that last point is why I think Middleton stays. I don't, Bruce Middleton made the all-star team this year. I don't think he's a max player. I, I think the Mavs or the Kings or whoever else is rumored, I think any other team would be stupid, for lack of a better word, to offer him a max deal. He's just, he's a perfect fit on the box as a complimentary guy to Giannis. Again, I don't think he's a max guy, but I think he he's valuable enough. And at this point, they don't have the resources to upgrade from him. So they're kind of in this awkward spot where they're stuck with overpaying their guys. I don't know what's going to happen with Malcolm Brogdon, who's also a free agent, and Brooke Lopez. So they're going to have to overpay guys to stay and kind of bank on running it back with the team that finished with the best record. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, the, the best course of plan is it. I mean, obviously they didn't win it all, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they're they're not a broken team. This is a really good team. They won the most games in the NBA. They just they ran into Kawhi Leonard uh, is essentially what happened. And uh, this team is is right there. So you just got to keep it intact and then just figure out a way to grow after you know a, a disappointing year of not making the finals. So there's two more guys on our list. And I, I think we're in agreement that they're going to leave their current team. So this will be fun. Nikola Vucevic, who also, like Middleton, made his first All-Star team in 2019. And Julius Randle, who had an outstanding season quietly with the Pelicans. Yeah. So where do you see those guys? So I, this is what I thought about with the Celtics and replacing Al Horford. I think the Celtics are in play for Vucevic. Uh, obviously, he's not the, as stretch of a four as Horford is. But this guy bangs and boards and is shifty inside, plays pretty decent defense. So I just think he is a good natural fit to – obviously, he's not going to have the leadership aspect of that Horford brings, but that's sort of that same skill set a little bit that he does to, to help keep that system in place. Uh, so I think he goes to Celtics. And then how you mentioned like Horford was going to the Clippers, I had that same plan where they were thinking sort of big man to bring in. I like Julius Randle to go to the Clippers. So I like Julius Randle to go to the Celtics for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned about Vucevic. I think he could be a good fit there. And he's still really young also. He can kind of grow with that young core and add some toughness for them down low. I have Vucevic going to the Kings. I think the Kings sign him to a uh, near max deal. I think they keep Harrison Barnes. And I think they finally snapped their playoff draft. Wow, you think the Kings make the splash? I think the Kings make a splash. I, they're due. They're due to spend money in a wise manner, not, you know, not in a Kings manner. Right. <laughs> so that sums up the NBA recap. The draft was exciting. 
Free agency is going to be awesome. I am really, really, really anxious and nervous for this upcoming weekend. I'm really glad that it starts on Sunday at 6 and not at midnight and not um, Monday on July 1st. So I, I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of dominoes drop quickly on Sunday after, after 6 o'clock. But we started doing this a couple episodes ago where we kind of dropped the mic on something that means something to us, something, you know, kind of a personal story. So I'll let you go first because I know your baseball team had a pretty eventful weekend. It was the coolest weekend ever. And the, the Dodgers did something that no team's ever done, and then they extended it even more. So Friday night, they, they had a walk-off home run by Matt Beattie, a rookie. Saturday night, they had a walk-off home run by rookie Alex Verdugo. When he did that, they became the first team ever to have walk-off hits by rookies in back-to-back nights. Then, Sunday, with a guy they just recalled up from the minors who did a a really brief step with them earlier, Will Smith, rookie, hit a walk-off homer. Three consecutive nights, they had a different rookie hit a walk-off homer. This team is special. I was sort of down on them at the beginning of the year because obviously the Dodgers are my, one of my favorite teams ever. And I'm a, I'm a harsh critic when you go to the World Series and you lose twice in, and you don't do anything to get better, in my opinion. So obviously I had every rep to be a little down on them entering the year. But now they're sitting here like 28 games over 500, just running away with every game. They're like 33-9 and nine at home or something like that. It's it's outrageous, and it is a great time to be a Dodger fan right now. Yeah, I, I came across that story on Saturday. It really, I mean, that's, that's something. I actually think it's the second-best baseball story of the weekend. I think the guy in the Reds, Derek Dietrich, getting hit by a pitch six times in one series is mind-blowing that that can happen. That's got to hurt. And then, of course, the nonsense with the Mets, and then they have the Pujols uh, reunion in St. Louis, so... A lot of stories coming out of baseball as we're in the dead of summer and there's really no other sports. Yeah, it's a, a fun little time for baseball. There's a lot of good teams. Uh, deadline, the trade deadline is going to be fastly approaching, so we'll see what uh, teams make a splash here. All right, so here's my rant. Here's my little mic drop, and I have a fully comprehensive article about this on the site, but I am tired of fans and the media slandering the American Athletic Conference and blaming the AAC for UConn's struggles. Connecticut announced over the weekend that they're going to join the Big East in all sports except for football. Of course, they don't have football. And I think it's awesome. As a college basketball fan, that's great. Obviously, UConn belongs in the Big East. I grew up um, in New Jersey, New York, watching them play in the Big East tournament rooting against them all the time. So I'm excited that they're back in the Big East. Geographically, it's where they belong. Historically, it's where they belong. But enough with this. They've always had this thing about them, that they've been too good for the AAC. They never belonged in this conference. You know what? They were so good for this conference that they finished third in 2014, and other than that, never finished higher than sixth. They, they have a losing record against Tulsa and Temple and SMU, some of the teams that they look down upon. They've been under 500 the last three years, and they've done all this with basically top 50 recruiting classes every year, including number eight in 2016. So I'm tired of them blaming the conference. They need time to look in the mirror. You know, don't blame the conference for their lack of recruiting because Memphis has their number one class in 2019. Don't say that you can't win, you can't get to the tournament in the conference because Cincinnati has done it every year since the AAC started and they've done it with significantly less talent than Connecticut has. Um, I think it's a shame what's going to happen to the football program. I don't think being independent is as simple as people make it seem. I think they're going to end up folding the football program, which is probably at this point, the right move, but it's, I'm tired of them blaming everybody. Good riddance. They basically haven't been in the conference for three years. They've been irrelevant. The conference will survive. In football, it'll be even better, and it's the right move. I'm glad that they're making it, but goodbye. Good riddance. Yeah, I mean, to go off that, I understand. I was pretty vocal about this on Twitter as well. My thing was is 
I just thought UConn, and, and, and this is not saying anything bad about the AAC. I thought UConn lost its identity by joining the AAC. I think the AAC is really building itself up with, I mean, you got Houston, you've got Cincinnati. There, there's good teams in here. I just, it, I felt like, like UConn was that older stepbrother that joined the conference that just didn't fit in right. And it was like, oh, this is great for the conference. And I think it was put on too much pressure for UConn to just dominate it. And obviously, it is their own fault for not being able to recruit. But I just think in terms of them going back to the Big East, back on the, the bigger stage in quotes of, of what the Big East brings, uh, I think that's just good for UConn basketball. Like you said, you grew up on them watching the Big East tournament. I agree. Like, I mean, you just there's so many good teams in the past that have made runs. So it's just I think it's more of a natural fit for them to be in the Big East where they were just sort of that stepchild of the AAC. I just really enjoyed watching them lose in the Big East tournament. Um, their fans were obnoxious. Their players were annoying. I just grew up to hate them. So I was really excited that them and Cincy have been rivals. And I just want to point out Cincinnati's beaten them 11 of the last 13 years in football and seven straight in basketball. So it is a disappointing loss because Cincinnati might have to earn more victories now across all sports. Um, but good riddance. Well, I learned a, uh, a fun chant and I, I tweeted this the other day. I think some guy, I think you were on this thread. Some guy got a little upset with me. But what I learned from St. John's fans when I was a child was everybody knows UConn blows. That was the chant against UConn, and I brought that to Cincinnati. And who knows? I think Indiana actually plays Connecticut in the Garden this year. So we do. I'll bring that chant to the, to the Hoosier, uh, Hoosier faithful and definitely rooting against UConn in a big, big way. I'm excited for that Please game. Please do. Now. I might need to fly in for that game, actually. I'm so. definitely going now. <laughs> I'm excited for that game. Um. Yeah, so thanks, uh, thanks everybody, for listening. NBA free agency is going to be wild. I'm sure we're going to be wrong on about every prediction because it's so unpredictable. And looking forward to the next draft, the next time we can do a mock draft. But next time we talk, we'll, I guess at that point, we'll know where everyone's going so we can kind of really scope out the landscape of what the NBA is going to look like in 2019-20 and sort of identify who's going to be in the finals. Right. I definitely agree. There's going to be one stat free agency, like a midnight strikes on Sunday, right? That's when it can start. Um, I definitely think we're have your Woj notifications on, Shane notifications <laughs> on. I think there's going to be those deals agreed upon quick that are going to be able to start the dominoes to fall. So I, I'd imagine we'll probably hear Kyrie's name is probably going to be the first one going to the, the Nets. It's probably going to be the first thing we hear about. I think so. I agree. I think that domino falls within the first hour. Yeah, Woj, Shams, turn notifications on. And your uncle, Mark Stein, I also have his notifications on too because he's really insightful as well. <laughs> he's not my uncle for any of you listening out there. I'm confused, <laughs> but, but shout out to Mark Stein. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and can't wait to dissect it all next week. <laughs>